0: So I was just told that the, for some reason, the sermon notes in the app are incorrect. So uh, that's, not, that's going to be useless for you this morning. So uh, going to old school today, I'm going to have my notes. I've got the right notes up here, uh, but if uh, if you don't, yeah, if, if you didn't get a hard copy, there might still be some out there, but otherwise just take notes or open up the notes app in your phone and just take notes however you want to. Navigate that best, would be great. So we're in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 25 today, as we look at the last part of the series on the farm. So this will probably be the last Sunday you see the farm on the stage, right? So uh, we're completing the series today. Uh, next we'll be getting a series in the book of 1 Timothy, so that'll be fun. But today we're going to finalize looking at these different teachings of Jesus that uh, when, he, when he would meet people and, and teach them, he often used a lot of illustrations that they would understand. And in Jesus' day, it's true throughout most of history, uh, most people understood farming, understood agricultural, uh, you know, illustrations and metaphors, etc. And we're kind of Beginning to lose some touch with that as a culture because eighty plus percent of the United States population lives in urban and suburban areas. So we're becoming a little little more detached from the farming term. So in this series we've been going through looking at um, what Jesus taught and trying to help everyone understand the, the farming isms, if you will, uh, to what Jesus talked about. So so far we've looked at uh Jesus' teaching on you know prize crop, bearing fruit, being fruitful in our living and in our disciple making. Uh, We've looked at the process of sowing and reaping. Uh, Sowing seed, reaping a a crop and we looked at that as what we sow in our lives is what we reap and and ultimately we want to reap disciples for Jesus. Uh, We looked at plowing and doing the hard work of plowing the field where the field represents our heart and the plowing is is our working to cultivate our heart to be really soft and malleable by the Lord so we can follow him and, and so we can be fruitful. It all kind of goes back to that fruitfulness. Well, then last week we looked at harvest and the harvest that happens. And today we're going to finish up that thought of harvest but looking at Jesus' teaching about sheep and goats. Now, have, how many of you have ever been around sheep and goats in your life? Just raise your hand. Just a few. Yep. They are a bit different, right? I know when we go to our trips in Africa, I go to the village, one of the villages that we work there, they have sheep and goats that just run loose in the village, Right. And so you'd be there, and <clears throat> there's all these little round balls all over the ground, right? And as some of our team members have learned, those aren't plants or seeds. <laughs> That's goat poop, right? But some of our team would pick them up like they were like seeds or something, start playing with them, pretty funny. But anyway, so <laughs> we digress. Uh, but anyway, the sheep and goats would run around together, and I started looking at them like, how do you tell them apart? It's kind of interesting. What's the difference between sheep and goats? Well, actually, Jesus has a whole teaching on that. So we're going to look at this today. So Matthew chapter 25, we're going to start looking at verses 31 and read through 46. So if you could please stand and honor the reading of God's word. <coughs> Matthew 25, 31 through 46. All right. So Jesus is kind of in a, in a, a session of teaching his disciples, and he's really talking about the end, right? And so here's kind of jumping into the middle of that where we pick this up. But verse 31, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. You cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. And then they will also answer, saying, But Lord, when... When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we're thankful. And you give us such clear teaching. And God, this is a heavy one. Uh, eternity's in the balance. And Lord, there's a very clear difference between sheep and goats. And God, today we're simply asking the questions. we go through this text and seeing how what Jesus teaches us here plays into the bigger picture of, of Scripture to ask ourselves the question, which one am I? So God, I pray you, in your grace, you give us clarity of understanding. And God, I I just pray, Lord, selfishly that as we all leave here, God, that every person who's here in this room, every person who's watching online at the end of this time can say with some certainty, by God's grace, I am a sheep. So Lord, we just pray you use this time for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. Go ahead and be seated. All right. Hold on one second. Okay, so um, if you look at, uh, if you, look, if you, have, you have to have the physical notes, right? Here's the big thought for today. Go to the next slide back there. It says Jesus often taught us the critical lesson that the reality of the end should directly impact how we live in the now, right? There's an end coming, right? Amen? The end is coming. And, you know, there's a lot of different thoughts on what that's going to exactly look like. But we know the end involves Jesus returning. We know the end involves judgment where God, Jesus, looks at our lives. And based on what we've done with Jesus, it, it determines the judgment. So it's, it's a preconceived test, right? It's, it's already ordained. This isn't a, you get an A or a B. This is pass or fail, right? And, uh, you know, Revelation chapter 20 talks about this great white throne judgment. Uh, that's kind of alluded to in part here by Jesus talking about sheep and goats, where all of us stand before the throne of God. And every one of us, the Bible says, must give an account for those who are believers, who are saved, who have trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who have embraced him fully as God the Son, the Lord, the King of the world, the King of the universe, who reigns on high. For those of us who have already submitted and yielded our life to him, you know, that judgment is simply for the basis of rewards. But for those who aren't saved, as Revelation 20 says, you know, those whose names not been written in the Lamb's book of life, then looks at our works, which are obviously are filled with sin, which is disqualifying. So as we go through the text, we're going to look at sheep and goats. But just in general, for those of you that have been around sheep and goats, how many of you can tell the difference between a sheep and a goat? All right. Well, let's look at some of the ways you can tell the difference. So go ahead to the next slide back there. Differences between sheep and goats. Go ahead to the picture. Well, yeah. Here's the seven things you can tell. Here's the seven differences. We're going to look at these in a picture, a minute. I'm going to explain each one of these. The type of coat, their tail, the upper lip. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, how they forage. You know how they eat. We'll look at that. Their temperament. Their horns. And the issue of copper, it's going to be a weird one, but go ahead and go to the the picture. So here we go, got them up here, sheep versus goat. So the first is a type of coat, obviously sheep have wool, so in case you don't know, the sheep is on the left, and the goat is on the right, okay? So sheep have wool, whereas goats have hair, Um, their tail. sheep tails point downward, goat tails point upward, the upper lip, can't really see this too clearly on there, but for goats, I mean, for, for sheep, they have a distinct groove in the center of their upper lip. This is called the philtrum, whereas the goats have no groove. They're tempor- or foraging. Sheeps graze, right? They graze. They'll be in a, in a field. They'll eat the same area of grass and just graze on the grass, whereas goats, they're a little more curious. They, they have to go look around. They browse. That's why goats eat everything, Right? They, if you, how many of you had goats before, Rachel? If you had goats, they eat like everything in sight. Yeah, you got to be careful what you leave out because they, they browse around, seeing you know, they're looking for the buffet. You know, that's what they're looking for. Temperament sheep are distant, kind of aloof, have a really strong flocking instinct, whereas goats are curious and independent. <coughs> horns, as you can see, sheep horns usually. Sheep usually don't have horns, but those that do, they curl around the sides of their head. Whereas most goats do have horns, and they simply point upwards into the back. But then the last one is copper. Goats must have copper in their diet to fight off parasites. If goats don't, if they lack copper in their diet, they'll die. Whereas sheep, if sheep have any copper in their diet, they will die. So it's kind of interesting. The difference between sheep and goats. Go to the next slide. You kind of see the upper lip there a little bit. On the left, the sheep's got the, the little indention there in his lip. Goat doesn't. Well, there's some ugly critters, aren't they? <coughs> so there's just a few differences between sheep and goats. But now let's look at the differences Jesus talks about in sheep and goats. So let's look at number one in your notes. Here's the sheep before Jesus. The sheep that come before Jesus. So in this, in this moment where Jesus talks about the end, the judgment, he's going to separate sheep from goats. Sheep go to the right, goats go to the left. So let's look at what the sheep rewards. It's the first thing Jesus talks about is the rewards for the sheep. First, they will be placed on his right side. All throughout Scripture, the right side is a place of honor. It's a place of honor. I know in the military... Whenever I was walking with an officer who was superior to me, I had to make sure I was walking on his or her left side, that they were on the right side. That's position of honor. And also, because in ancient times when they wore swords, your sword would be on the left side, and so you would draw the sword, and it wouldn't have the chance of hitting the person on your right. Whereas if you swapped, if they were on my left, I pulled my sword, I might accidentally swipe them, right? So the right side's a position of, of honor, right? You know, when you, when in the military, when you salute, you salute with your right hand. It's the hand of honor. And when you shake hands, it's usually the right hand you offer because that's the hand of honor. So the right side throughout biblical times, ancient times, even into modern times, whoever's on the right side, that's the position of honor, reward, etc. So like we've talked before, when when James is John's mother came and asked Jesus for her sons to sit on the right side, right, that was asking for that honor. So sheep will be placed on his right. Secondly, sheep will be welcomed, will be welcomed. This is huge, hospitality. The sheep will be shown hospitality by God the Father, by God the Son, be welcomed, embraced, Will be home, will belong. All of this goes into this meeting, in <coughs> the meaning of this. In Second Peter chapter one verse eleven, Peter says, "You will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." You know, it's it's really cool when um, I remember when I would come home to visit from the military. You know, I'd have this is back in the days when people could go to the gates at the airport. Remember, I remember those days? been a long time ago, right? But back in those days, you could go to the gate, and whenever you go out to get off the gate, you just couldn't wait to get off the gate of the plane because you walk off, and then you see your whole family just, just standing there welcoming you, welcoming you home. It's just such a good feeling to be welcomed. You know, when you travel and go home for holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, or now if you're on the receiving end, You try to go out of the way to make sure your family, whoever's coming, is welcomed home. You know, you make sure you've got plenty of food and drinks and all kinds of stuff. You know, that you just want them to be welcomed. Hospitality. That's the way it's going to be for the sheep. We're welcomed home in the presence of God. Third, the sheep will be blessed by the Father. This is so important. Blessing, favor, Abundance lavishing All these terms go with this concept of being blessed by the Father. He will lavish goodness upon us as the sheep. Number fourth, or fourthly, we will inherit, or sheep will inherit, the prepared kingdom. Hmm. This is good. A lot of scriptures talks about this, but here's just a couple. Romans 8, verses 16 and 17 says, The Spirit himself... Bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Let's just, let me just explain something here, real quickly, for those who may be new to the faith or just checking it out, whatever. When, when the Bible talks about children of God, it's not talking about all humanity. Now, in the sense that we're all created by God, we're all part of his creation as being children of his through creation, that's true. When the Bible talks about children of God, that, that's not all humanity. That's only human beings who have trusted in Jesus Christ, been born again, born into the family of God, right? So that's, when the Bible talks about children of God, that's what we're talking about. Like John chapter 1 verse 12 says, "To many as receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gives them the right to be called What? children of God. That's right. So that's so clear. So here, when Paul, who writes this, is talking about the children of God, not talking about all humanity, only talking about those who have believed and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. So that's the children. And therefore, if children, then heirs. It's a great deal. It's a huge package deal. When you trust in Jesus Christ, Yes, you're born again, you're forgiven of all your sins, you're brought into the family of God, but you're also instantly made an heir to inherit the kingdom of God. Doesn't that sound good? Sounds great. John chapter 14, Jesus tells the disciples and therefore us this as well. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. I know the old King James had many mansions. The Greek word here just is a dwelling place. So I think it's hopeful thinking (laughs) for the King James Version there, but it's just dwelling place, right? There in my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. But what? What does he say? I go there to do what? Prepare a place for you. Wow. We get there, we don't have to worry about building it. We don't have to go find the lumber. We don't have to pay the bill for the The screws and the nails and the carpet, we don't have to, it's all going to be ready. It's waiting for us as part of our inheritance in the kingdom of God. All this is promised, guaranteed to the sheep. Well, secondly, let's look at the sheep's lifestyle. So, those are the rewards that Jesus promises the sheep. And according to scripture, can Jesus, who is fully God, can God lie? No, the Bible says it's impossible for God to lie. He will never, just say never. He will never lie to you. Isn't that comforting? He'll never lie to you. People, yeah, we lie to each other. Sometimes accidental, like we'll say, I promise I'll be there at your ball game tonight and then life happens and you don't make it. You lied, you didn't mean to lie, but you lied, right? Sometimes we do lie intentionally, never the case with God. He will never, ever lie to you. So all these promises that Jesus is making to sheep is rock solid. It's going to happen. It's not just certainty, it's certitude, right? It's absolutely in the books. But what about the sheep? How do we tell sheep from goats lifestyle-wise? Well, Jesus goes into that. First thing we see, number one, your notes is that the sheep are generous. Sheep are generous. It says, When I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. We don't hoard it for ourselves. We don't see our wealth and our blessing as simply ours to enjoy. We understand that the reason God blesses us is so that we can be a part of God blessing others. It comes with a generous heart. And there's a lot about generosity all through scriptures. You know, we, talk, we can talk about things like tithing. What's the purpose of tithing? Tithing is not just some odd command that God gave us so that the church would have some funds to use for ministry, although it accomplishes that. But the, the, the end goal of tithing is so much greater. Tithing, part of the law, is simply to be a tutor, to teach us, to grow us in a certain direction. You know, just like the command of the Ten Commandments, don't commit adultery. That's to teach us to honor marriage, to honor the the union of a husband and a wife, right? And so the goal of tithing is to teach us having a heart of generosity and to get us to understand that, you know, everything I have is not mine. It's it's just because it's in my possession does not mean it is my possession, that ultimately everything belongs to God right and so the tithing is to teach us and remind us to be growing us toward a heart of generosity because the greatest and most generous person in all of history is god himself amen john 3 16 was that say for god so loved the world that he gave right there generosity he gave us his one and only begotten son very generous so sheep who are growing in Christ's likeness, who are saved by the grace of God, filled with the spirit of God, are being changed to be more like Christ. That's God's goal for you. for us to live like Jesus, to be generous among other things. Everything we'll look at in this, in this list is Christ likeness, generosity. Secondly, sheep are hospitable. Show hospitality. He says, when I was... A stranger, you welcomed me. Welcomed. Sheep are hospitable. We're not closed-handed when it comes to embracing people. We're not closed-minded when it comes to loving other people, people that may not come from the same background as we do, people that may speak a different language. No, hospitable means we embrace every single human being. Knowing that they're an image bearer of God, just like me, and that every person, regardless of where they're from, what they look like, how much money they make or don't make, you know what ethnicity they are, how you know whatever, who their parents were, are whatever, that every single person, because they're an image bearer of God, are due respect and dignity because of they're an image bearer of God. Amen. That's that's a heart. Of hospitality, and so we we welcome people. You know, hospitality. Trying to make that a big deal here at, at Canaan. You know, we want every guest when you walk into the church for the very first time. We know it can be intimidating going to a place where you may not know anybody, or just a few people if you do, and walk in. You don't know where the bathrooms are. You don't know where to check your children in if you have children. Uh, you don't know what this is going to be like. I mean, you're kind of in. You're in a new area. And that can be overwhelming, so we're going to try to be hospitable, have greeters out there. We have coffee, and normally we have donuts. This morning, that didn't happen. Krispy Kreme conveyor belt broke down this morning, so it's not our fault, right? Yeah, and and, you know, it's hard to find like 500 donut holes last minute, so uh, sorry, you know, we, we we did not pass the hospitality test of donuts this morning. But hospitality and donuts go hand in hand, Right? But this is why it's a big deal. Because God is a very hospitable God. And so we want to be a hospitable church. Our homes should be beacons of hospitality, whether we're welcoming neighbors over or our kids' friends over. It should, should be a center of hospitality. That's what sheep do. And we help the stranger. We welcome them. Third, letter C, or yeah, number three in your notes under lifestyle, sheep are compassionate. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Compassion. The last one we talked a little bit about compassion, and it's when there's kind of a, a pain in the bowels. It's like it's when you're so moved and so you, you feel someone else's pain or their situation to the point where it stirs you to a point where you have to act. You can't just, you can't just sit back, like we said last week. You can't just sit back and say, well, bless their heart, Right? You, you have to engage. You have to do something. You have to be a part of a solution. Be a part of helping. Be a part of ministering to. Just to sit back and do nothing—it's it, it, an impossibility. When your compassion is stirred, that's what sheep do. Sheep are generous, hospitable, and compassionate. That's why I let her see the sheep's identity. Here, Jesus refers to the sheep. As the righteous, the sheep are the righteous. Now let's just talk about this. Does this mean that in order to be saved, in order to become a sheep, right, I have to be generous, I have to be hospitable, I have to be compassionate? No, notice that these creatures don't all of a sudden become sheep because they're doing these things, right? They're doing these things because they are sheep. So our nature... Drives our actions, not the other way around. Our actions don't determine our nature. Who we are, right, who you are is what determines what you do, what you're able to do. So some of you were born with certain natural talents. You know, some of you are born musically gifted. You know, Jennifer is an amazing vocalist, right? She was just born with that. You can't learn that. You, you can learn, you can train your voice to a certain point but if you just don't have the talent you're just never going to get there right she was born with that so out of her nature with what god made her to do she's able to do does that make sense well when it comes to being a sheep right god makes us a sheep the moment we're born again and saved right then we become a child of god in this metaphor that he's using a sheep and therefore, since we are a sheep, we have this capacity to grow in Christ's likeness to be more and more generous, to be more and more hospitable, to be more and more compassionate because we're declared righteous. So if you're honest with yourself, you know, you may look at your life, your lifestyle, decisions you make, things you've done in the past 24 hours, and you may, may come to the conclusion, I don't feel like I'm very righteous. May there with me? Right? I don't, don't think I'm a very righteous person. You know, I'm, I can be selfish. I can be self seeking. Sometimes I'm not always as generous as I should be. I'm not always hospitable as I should be. We can go through this, right? But here's the thing when it comes to your standing before God the moment you're saved, the moment that you're born again, God declares you righteous because this amazing thing happens to what Jesus did for us on the cross. This is called uh, the great. Uh, the, substitutionary atonement, where Jesus became our substitute. Jesus became our unrighteousness for us, where he then received the justice and wrath of God that our sin deserves in our place. In other words, our sin imputed to him. But then Jesus conquered that, right? And on the death, he, on the cross, he died, he shed his blood, and his righteousness is now imputed to us so that now when God sees us he sees the righteousness of Christ and now we're to grow in that righteousness so because we are considered righteous we are therefore considered sheep and therefore because we're considered sheep his spirit was in us, grows in us to enable us to do these things being generous, hospitable, and compassionate let's look at the goats number two the goats before Jesus let's look at the goats' rewards first They're placed on his left, placed on his left. In most cases, the left, if the right's the position of honor, then left is dishonor, right? If you ever go to Middle Eastern culture today, or any really Islamic culture, never, say never. Never offer your left hand. That is a sign of dishonor, right? Um... It's the unclean hand. I'm not going to unpack that now, but it's the unclean hand. Um, yeah, left is not good. Right is honor. Left, is, in most cases, is the place of dishonor. Secondly, they'll be cast out. So the ble- the, the sheep are welcomed. The goats are cast out. Minds if of the other passages. It's not on the screen or notes, but like in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus anticipates a conversation that will happen probably at the same time during this judgment, during the separating of the sheep and the goats. And He says, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter my kingdom, but only the one who does the will of the Father. He says, "Many will say to me that day, but, but Lord, didn't we do this in your name or that in your name, like cast out demons and perform signs and wonders? Jesus says, I will look at them plainly and say, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, cause I never knew you, depart casting out. That's serious. Go to cast out. Third, be cursed by the Father. And the curse of the curse of God is is just the judgment, the condemnation, the casting out. Romans 8.1 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Beautiful. Again, because we have Jesus' righteous standing within us. But those who don't are on their own merit. And that's a goat. And what awaits him, number four in your notes, will inherit eternal fire. According to Jesus' words here. Eternal fire. Verse 46. Eternal punishment takes place. That's a sobering thought that should drive compassion in us. That should motivate our evangelism, motivate our love and service toward others because the reality of the eternal fire. Let's look at the goats' lifestyle. It's not gonna be rocket science here, it's just really the opposite of the sheep, right? The goats' lifestyle is filled, number one, the goats are greedy. Goats are greedy. It's always about them. Secondly, Goats are selfish. They're closed handed, thinking of only themselves and how they can get better, thinking only of their own ambitions and where they want to be in life. And this leads to number three goats are hard hearted. Jesus unpacks and says, You did not give me food or drink. That's greedy. You did not welcome me as a stranger. That's selfish. You do not clothe me or visit me. That's hard-hearted. Just a, I don't care about people. That's the lifestyle of a goat. And according to Jesus, what's the identity of the goats? They're the unrighteous. The ones who are still accountable, culpable, guilty before God for their sin. Who have not had their sin imputed to Jesus and therefore, I have not had Jesus' righteousness imputed to them. So let's just talk about, go back to the good news, the sheep. Let's talk a little bit more about sheep. Because number three, Jesus has a very special relationship with his sheep. Literally, he is the shepherd. If you think about this analogy Jesus uses of sheep and goats, this is not the only place in the Bible Jesus talks about sheep. He talks about sheep a lot. He is the shepherd. John 10 11 Jesus says I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lay down his life for the sheep now we he calls us his sheep and what do we know about sheep some are laughing yeah we're sheep are not the smartest critters on the farm right we need a shepherd short video clip just to show you how brilliant sheep are so go ahead and let's show the video We're injured in the production of that video. <laughs> Can't say that with certitude though. Yeah, we're not smart creatures. How many of you identify with the first one? Get out of the ditch, just run back and jump right back in it. That's totally us, right? Yeah. But thankfully, like this, unlike the second video, the sheep gets out of the water ditch, runs back into it. Our shepherd doesn't just leave us there like that guy did. Our shepherd is always with us, never leaves us never forsakes us. Yeah, we're his sheep. He's the good shepherd. Something else he tells us, letter B, Jesus' sheep know his voice. Know his voice. John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus says, my sheep hear me. They hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You ever been around a true shepherd? It's kind of interesting. Um, you can have different people yell out to the sheep and the sheep won't do anything. But when the shepherd yells out, all the sheep hear that and they come running. It's beautiful. Those sheep know the shepherd's voice. Why? Because there's relationship, there's intimacy, there's familiarity, right? The shepherd is always with his sheep. How many of you have that person or persons that is, you can they can call you on your phone and as soon as you, as soon as you answer, you hear their voice and you immediately, if you don't have caller ID, you immediately know who they are. You might have people like that, right? They call you like, oh, I'm, you know their voice. Why? Because there's relationship there. There's familiarity. There's been that closeness for some period of time. There's just, there's just that awareness. That's what we have with Jesus. You know, Elsewhere, Jesus says, the reason you don't hear my voice is you're not of my sheep. That's scary. But Jesus says, His sheep know His voice and let her see. Jesus secures his sheep. If you're a sheep of the good shepherd, Jesus, you're as safe as safe can be in his hands. Your eternity is safe. Look at what Jesus says in John 10. John 10 is a lot where Jesus talks about him being the shepherd and shepherding. John 10, he says, I give them, talking about the sheep, I give them eternal life and they will, what, never perish. Again, say never with me never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand secure my father who has given them to me he is greater than all and so no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand so notice that jesus first says no one can snatch them out of my hand and then Jesus says, no one can snatch him out of the Father's hand. Some people are probably confused. Well, which hand am I in? And Jesus clears that up. This next verse, I and the Father are one. So if you're in the Father's hand, you're in the Lord Jesus' hand. And no one's stronger than the Father. No one's stronger than Jesus. So no one can pry his hand open to pluck you out, that is secure. So if you're a sheep, if you've had that moment in your life and you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you hear what Jesus says, when he says things like in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Later on, when the apostle Peter says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, for there is no other name given among men through which we must be saved, it's only through Jesus. When you've realized that, and you've had that moment, you've confessed Jesus is the Lord of your life and surrendered your life to follow him. At that moment, all those things happen I mentioned earlier. You're forgiven, you're, you're born again, you're adopted into the family of God forever. You become that sheep. And all these promises then are for you. It's a beautiful thing. And we do nothing to earn it. We do nothing to deserve it. It's all about the grace of God. But once you're his sheep, you are his sheep forever. And he's got you in his powerful hand. And no one, just say no one, can pluck you out. Isn't that good news? Some people try to say, well, I can pluck myself out. You're, you're someone. And you're someone and he says, no one. So I would include you. It's beautiful truth. The power of the Lord's salvation, the power of God, and the benefit of being a sheep. So when Steve Neff prayed, he asked the question, which one are you? Let's all stand together. We're going to go into a time of prayer and response. I'm ask our prayer counselors, if you'll go ahead and, and come down going to end our service time here just by this time of prayer where if you've never trusted in Christ, this could be your moment. You know, the Apostle Paul please says, let today be the day of salvation. Now is the time. This is the day for salvation. So maybe it's a great time for you to come and just talk to one of our prayer counselors who'd love to pray with you um, as you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you have other things going on. Maybe there's someone in your life who you know is not a sheep yet not part of God's family and you want to pray for them that they will come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior so this is a time for you to bring your concerns your your needs and let these people just minister to you pray with you pray for you listen to you as you pray such a powerful time the Lord's here with us and he wants to see great things happen in your life great things happen in your life as you surrender and commit to following him. I pray that that's what you do this morning. Let him truly be like the song I'm about to sing, the king of your heart, Where you abdicate the throne of your heart and you yield it to King Jesus who can rule your life a lot better than we can rule our lives ourselves. Let's pray together. Father, we give this time to you. Lord, just pray you use it for your glory. God, you know every one of us. Lord, you know where we are with you in relationship. You know what's going on in our life. You know the struggles we're having. You know our burdens, our concerns. God, you know our victories. Lord, just pray in this holy moment that we're honest with you, honest with ourselves. And God, we begin by asking that question, which am I, am I a sheep or am I a goat? God, what an awesome moment when we realize that we need you. We respond by calling out to you to save us. And God, you're always faithful to answer that call. You tell us in Romans 10, 13 that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So God, I pray for anyone here watching online if they're not in a relationship with you yet. God, it begins today. God, I pray for others who live out this righteousness whether maybe it's in the area of generosity or hospitality or compassion and god they just want to come before you asking for your help just to grow them in those areas to be more like you to be to make a difference in the people's lives in which they're able to influence and know and love so god i just pray that you would give us that freedom to come forward and just pray for that God, I pray for those here who have family members, loved ones, neighbors who aren't saved yet. And God, you're just burdening their heart right now because God, we talked about the reality of eternal punishment. God, we don't want anyone to go there. So Lord, help us to just be burdened and to not only pray for them, but then to take some steps this week just to show them love and kindness to serve them. Maybe open up doors of conversation. God, maybe some others here have other issues, physical sickness, God, financial woes, I just pray, God, that we have the freedom here in your presence just to come and pray, just to come and seek You, seek your face, not to be inhibited by pride or a rush to get out of here, but God, just to let you do your thing in our hearts as we sing, as we listen, as we pray. Be honored and glorified in Jesus' name, amen.